All right, well, there are uh, difficult choices that sometimes pop up in our lives, and, and they're really not difficult in that we know what is the right thing to do and what the wrong thing to do is. What is difficult is often the hardships that come afterwards. Uh, parents, uh, if you remember dropping off your firstborn child to college, what did that feel like to you? I remember when my awful. Yeah, I remember my mom dropped me off, and, and as she's leaving, just tears flowing down from her eyes. I haven't had that experience yet, uh, but I can imagine what that feeling for you in that moment felt like. Uh, it's, it's an easy choice, right? You want them to go. You, maybe when you took them to college, you celebrated that you had a new room in your house that was open, all right? But you also were kind of sad. Or fathers, how was it to walk your daughter down the aisle? What was that like in that moment to give your daughter to another man to protect? There, there are a lot of decisions like that in life where we know what the right thing to do. We know that in the end it will turn out all right, but in the moment it doesn't feel good. In the book of Mark, we come across three stories in chapter 6 that talk about the hardships that comes from following Jesus. Following Jesus will bring hardships to us. That's not a popular idea to preach about. Most preachers kind of avoid that subject, but it's one of these things that we have to be aware of and we have to be knowing going into following Jesus. Jesus tells a parable, uh, the parable of the sower, where a man goes out and he's sowing seed onto his field. And, and the seed falls on a number of different types of soil. Uh, some of the seed falls on soil that is not ready at all, and the plant does not grow at all. But in a couple instances, the seed does start to grow, but eventually dies out because the soil was not prepared. And only in the few instances did the fruit come from the seed and produce a great harvest. And that soil, Jesus tells us, is us. And, and I want you to be soil that is ready, soil that when hardships come in life, because you follow Jesus, you do not fall away. And so I want you to be aware of what Mark has to say to us in this passage. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Mark chapter 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 1 today. Uh, we're going to see what it has to say about this subject. Uh, the first thing in following Jesus is that there will be hardship when we are rejected by those who are closest to us. Here's what Mark says in verse 1. He says, Jesus left there and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could do no any miracles except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. 
So we see that Jesus comes back to the town of Nazareth, and, and Mark has been kind of telling us about the popularity rise of Jesus. It has risen uh, to a point that even the small town of Nazareth has heard about what Jesus is doing. And they're, they're amazed. They're, they're in astonishment. And I can kind of picture them being excited to hear that Jesus was coming home again. Now, there are a couple of times here in Mexico that we have famous people come. Uh, one of them is Mr. Lou, uh, the guy that went off to play a college basketball and eventually won an NBA championship as a player and then as a coach. And anytime that Mr. Lou comes back to Mexico, there is excitement in the air. I remember after him winning the championship with the Cavaliers, there was even a parade in his honor. And we were excited about this popular man, this famous dude, coming back. And I could just imagine what it was like for the people of Nazareth to have Jesus, who has become famous, coming in to their town. Uh, we read that when it came time on the Sabbath to go to worship God in the synagogue, they asked Jesus, who is popular as a preacher, to come and preach for them. And so he begins to preach and to teach, and they are amazed. They wonder at the wisdom that Jesus has. Have you ever been amazed at somebody that you know? Uh, my daughter, Hannah, is about nine years old, and uh, on her birthday this last year, we gave her some roller blades. Uh, I hate roller skating. I, I, I remember going to the roller rink and, and like not doing too well and watching all the other people do amazing. So I would go uh, play the arcade games while everybody else was skating. Uh, so I don't really like it. Even to this day, I kind of, I kind of not very good at it. But Hannah, uh, not a day or week has gone by where she hasn't at some point in time put on her rollerblades and skated around our house because we have a nice little circle and she goes around and around and around. And, and, and this is how I know that she is way better than I will ever be. She has learned how to skate backwards, all right? And I'm amazed because I don't have that talent, Maybe my wife does, but I don't have the talent, and, and I'm amazed that she is so good at it. And I think these people who have grown up with Jesus, who have been with him and joked with him and, and just lived life together for over 30 years, they are amazed at what he's doing, at what he's saying, of how he is saying, of all the miracles that he is performing. And something clicks in their head about halfway through that they're like, wait a minute. We know this guy. And I think probably jealousy sits in for them for just a moment when they start to think, you know what? I was with this guy when we did that one prank. I was with this guy, and he's no better than I am. If he can do that, I'm a much better preacher than even Jesus is. And they start to get a little jealous, and they start to get to the point where they decide, you know what? We don't want Jesus here. It happens that even those who are very close to us might reject us. One of the hardest things in life is to face rejection by people. And what makes it even worse is when that rejection that we face is from those who we deemed closest to us. 
Jesus' family, if you remember, came a couple of chapters before this to take Jesus back with them because they thought Jesus was crazy. His family, those he loved, those he had cared for, thought he was crazy. And here he has friends that he has grown up with, and they, too, reject Jesus. Following Jesus may mean that you are rejected by those who are closest to you. And what do we do when our family is against us because we have chosen to follow Jesus? And what do we do when the friends that we have grown up with look at us and begin to say, I don't really want to be near you anymore. For whatever reason, a lot of people in the world, when we come to Jesus, suddenly think that we have a holier-than-thou attitude, when that is often not the case. And whether it's true or perceived or not, people don't like being around Christians sometimes. There's a lady by the name of Isabel Kuhn who lived at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, And Isabel's parents, they were good Christian people. Her dad was a lay preacher. Her mom uh, worked for a missionary board that would send out missionaries to various countries. And Isabel, when she went off to college, decided that she wasn't going to be a Christian, that she was going to be agnostic instead. And so she rejected her faith, and and there for a period while she went through college, uh, she was just kind of there. Uh, And then at the end, when she was about to get married and her her fiancé decided to leave her, and through a series of other events, Isabel decided that she wanted to be a Christian again. And so she started attending church, and uh, one day the preacher came up, and he decided to tell the people about the need for missionaries to the Lisu people of China. Uh, the Lisu people had no knowledge of who Jesus was. They had no one to come and, and to tell them about him. And this preacher continually impressed upon his congregation that there needs to be workers there. And as Isabel listened to what the preacher had to say, Isabel decided that if I can go, I will. So she went home. And she talked to her mom and her dad and told them, I want to go to China. And her mom's words, this mom that was a part of a missionary board, her words were, over my dead body. This calling that Isabel had, this desire to see people know Jesus, was resisted by those who were dearest to her. And Isabel kept going, and she went off, and she ended up going and being a missionary uh, to China in spite of what her mom felt and desired. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means that you are rejected by those closest to you? The second thing in Mark chapter 6 that we see is that following Jesus may mean that we have nothing. Uh, We read about in the second part of verse 6 through uh, verse 13, when we read that Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. And these were his instructions to them. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, 
No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they went out and they preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons, saying, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The second thing is that sometimes we may be called to have nothing. Jesus' ministry with his disciples was not a passive one for his disciples. They were actively engaged. And for us, the ministry that Jesus has is not meant for us to sit in pews and do nothing. We are to be active. And Jesus took his disciples and he sent them out, telling them to do the ministry he had for them. And notice what he commissions them here to do. Take nothing. The disciples in this particular instance were to have nothing. They were to go out and to live off the kindness and generosity of the people they were ministering to. Now, this is a command for a specific situation because later on in the ministry of Jesus in Luke 22, we are told that Jesus commissions them once again, and there he tells them, take stuff with you. But sometimes, in following Jesus, you might be commanded to have nothing. And this lesson that the disciples had to learn here was very vital for them. The disciples would eventually die as paupers, as people with nothing. Chased down and hunted because they believed in Jesus and they followed his will in their lives. And all of them, except for one, were killed for their faith. Christianity is not a get-rich-quick scheme. There are some ministers out there who have taken this to an extreme and tried to get rich off it. There is actually a news story uh, this week about one preacher who told her congregation that they should all tithe their January income, every single dollar of it, to her. And sadly, there are some people in her church that probably will do exactly that, whether they had the money or not. But ultimately, Christianity is not about getting rich. It's not about money. And far too often, the people that God calls into ministry, the people that He calls to follow His mission in the world, they have nothing. Missionaries all around the world leave their family and friends behind in order to go to places that they've never been to, to talk to people that they don't know about, and they often leave with nothing, and they end up with nothing. Following Jesus may mean that you live with less. And you might live with less because you realize that generosity to other people is more important than your own comforts. You may end up living with less because you don't take that job because it takes you away from doing the work that Jesus has for you. You may live with less because ultimately what is important is not how much you have in your bank accounts, but how many people you're bringing to Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus means you'll have nothing. 
The third hardship that we see in this chapter is, is the last one, and it's this. Following Jesus may mean that you die for him. Uh, we read about, starting in verse 14, when we read that King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. And some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and this is why miraculous powers are at work in Jesus. And others said, he is Elijah. And so others, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. This question of who is Jesus has been permeating Mark up to this point, and here are some popular answers. He is John, he is Elijah, he is one of the prophets, but Herod, the king, was convinced that Jesus was John. Herod had some issues with John. Herod had married his brother's wife, not uncommon in that time period, but at the same time, not okay. And John the Baptist decided that as a preacher, he would make sure that everyone knew that this was not okay. And so he preached against it. And when you are a king and you have a popular preacher preaching against you, you do the only reasonable thing and arrest him. So Herod had John arrested and Herod's wife wasn't too keen on what John was saying about her and wanted him killed. But Herod didn't want to riot. And so he has John put into the dungeon and he stays there. One day, Herod has a party with all of his royal officials, and they have a little bit too much wine, and they call in for some dancers, and one of the dancers happens to be Herod's wife's daughter, not Herod's. And she dances in such a way that all the people are pleased, and Herod declares, whatever you want, I will give you. Influenced by her mother, she says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And Herod, not wanting to lose face, does just that. And John dies for following God. John dies for preaching truth when others were silent. And sometimes following Jesus may mean that you'll die for him. In the United States, we're kind of shocked when we hear these stories of shootings within churches because they're not as common. And we're amazed that somebody would do such a thing at such a sacred hour. But throughout the world, Christians are persecuted more than any other religious group. In uh, China, there's a story that recently came out where a guy was uh, from South Korea, a Christian who helped smuggle Christians out of North Korea was at a taxi getting ready to get in, and a man came behind him. And he didn't know that the man was behind him until this man took a needle and put it in his neck full of poison. The man that did this deed was a North Korean sent to kill this South Korean Christian. Later that week, another South Korean Christian was informed by the South Korean government not to meet up with his North Korean contact because that man was supposed to kill him with poison as well. And he was arrested carrying a bag full of needles and poison. Christians all around the world are dying 
1987, there were 16.5 million Christians in the country of Iraq. In 2013, they estimated that there's 450,000. 16 million Christians gone in a matter of 20 years. This last 100 years has been the deadliest century for Christians. And if you take the previous 1,900 years of people who have died for following Jesus and you add them all up, it is not even compare to the last 100 years. Following Jesus may mean that you may die. Are you willing to follow Him wherever He leads you, even if it means death? Following Jesus is hard. It's one of those choices that we know what the right thing to do is, but there are hardships that come with it. There are hardships that come when we choose to follow Jesus. And God wants us to be on mission for Him. He wants to send us out to save the world, to heal, to bring the good news and the command to repent. And when we face these hardships in our lives because we have chosen to follow Jesus, we should not be surprised. Jesus said it best in John 15 when he says, If they hate you, do not be surprised because they first hated me. The good thing is we don't have to face this alone. See, everything that we experience, hardship-wise, for following Jesus, Jesus himself experienced it himself. Jesus experienced hardships when his family thought he was crazy, when his own friends, who he'd grown up with, decided to reject him. Jesus was rejected by those who were closest to him. Jesus had nothing At one point in time in his ministry, Jesus will say that the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man, I, do not have a place to lay my head. And Jesus lived off the generosity of a few good women. Jesus had nothing. And one day they will take Jesus by the hand and they will lead him up a hill and they will nail him to a cross and they will watch him die. Jesus willingly died following God's will. So whatever hardships you might face, know that Jesus has faced them before and with the strength of Jesus, he can get you through it. And ultimately, in the end, it is worth it. For one day we will be with Jesus for all of eternity. We'll be with him in a place where there is no more pain and there is no more tears, where there is no more sorrow And there is no more fears. And that place is worth the momentary hardships that we face on this world. So stand firm. Know that your decision is a good decision and know that there will be hardships, but with Jesus, you can get through them. And in the end, it is worth it. Let's pray. Here, dear Father, we are grateful for Jesus who did endure so many things. Uh, We're grateful that he had strength and courage to stand firm
despite the hardships he faced. And Father, with his example, we know that we too can stand firm. Whether we have nothing, whether we're rejected by family and friends, whether we even have to lay down our lives for you, help us, Father, to remain firm in you. Thank you for the strength that we have in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.